Well, good morning and welcome to worship. We're glad to have each of you here with us this morning. Just a quick reminder, uh, prayer requests and connection cards, you can fill those out and drop them in the offering plate in a few minutes as those come by. You can also do that on our app and online. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm 1, the whole thing. Uh, I think it's healthy for us to be in the book of Psalms. It gives us voice to understand things that uh, we're going through. And if you're not a person who reads the Psalms very often, I would encourage you to do so. It's, it's the nation of Israel's hymn book that was, that's what it was for thousands of years as the nation of Israel experienced joy on the mountaintop and sorrow in the valley. It's the words that came uh, to David and many others, sons of Korah, as they... Uh, sang out their songs and poured out their hearts to the Lord. So I invite you to rise as you're able as we begin this service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Amen. We're going to join together singing Joy to the World this morning, and you might say, that's a Christmas song. (laughs) Why are we singing Joy to the World? Well, as we open up the book of Colossians today, the third chapter, it talks about putting to death those things that, uh, that aren't of God and that are of wickedness and putting on Christ. Verse 3 says, No more let sin or sorrows grow or thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Maybe you've experienced what it's like to try and get a stain out of a piece of clothing. It's just deep in there and it's really hard to get out. And maybe you feel like that's your heart today. As far as the curse is found, as deep inside of you as sin dwells, that is how far God goes and how deep he wants to indwell you, to cleanse you, to clean you, and to put Christ at the center of you. So let's sing together this declaration that joy has come and it's offered to us freely in Jesus Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive the King, let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Hey 
of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm thinking about the people that are waking up, thinking churches in 55 minutes because their clocks weren't set ahead or their phones weren't connected to the internet or whatever. Um, as we, I was going to say, as we were practicing this morning, I yawned a lot. Uh, and I think that's okay. All of us are feeling a little bit like, oh, okay. It's, it's, we're hitting it. We're hitting it. So, grace for that. And we're glad that you're here uh, in the midst of daylight savings time and coronavirus and all these things that are trying to get in the way of us worshiping our Lord together. So it's good to have you here. A couple things to let you know about here in the Life of Church. We obviously are partaking in communion this morning. So as we look forward to that, prepare our hearts. There's a little insert in your bulletin to uh, look into that. If you haven't communed with us before, please take a look and read through that as, you, uh, as we get into the service here and understand what's going on with that. But to let you know about here, we have an event coming up on the 28th of March called Resurrection Eggs, and it's for Triumph Kids and their families from 9 to 11 a.m. on that Saturday. There'll be a light lunch brunch served, um, but you'll create your very own set of Resurrection Eggs. And you might say, well, what is a resurrection egg? So it's kind of like an advent calendar, but it's 12 eggs that are filled with different things. And you open up an egg each day leading up to Easter, leading up to Resurrection Sunday. And it retells the story of Jesus' passion from the beginning to the end of Passion Week, okay? So starting with a donkey and moving all the way to the empty tomb. So if you haven't experienced it before, it's a, it's a great way that's tangible for the little ones, the littlest of, of the children to understand or to even just hold in their hands this little donkey or these nails or a, a crown of thorns. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my salvation and understanding who Jesus is? More than just words, more than just hearing it or singing about it, but holding in their hands this gift of grace and understanding uh, deeper what does it mean to have a resurrected Lord. So we hope that you'll join us on Saturday, March 28th. Next thing to let you know about is uh, Bible studies. We've been talking a lot about group life, and you've probably heard, okay, but we want to just take a moment to highlight our Bible studies we understand the value of being in corporate worship together, right? Singing songs together and hearing the Word of God uh, proclaimed over us and reading Scripture p publicly. But you see, following Jesus isn't only on Sundays, right? We're called to draw closer to God day by day, and one of the best ways to do that is growing in the knowledge of His Word. And so we don't really talk about this all that often as far as letting you know there's opportunities, but we want to take a chance to let you know that there are opportunities to grow in the knowledge of God's Word with other believers right here at church, in homes. And so you'll find in your bulletin, if you look on the inside flap where the calendar is listed, there's many Bible studies that are listed there for men in the mornings, most weekdays, for women on Monday nights and Thursday mornings. And then actually we're starting a youth Bible study on Thursday nights. And so if you know someone who would, who would benefit from being involved in that, let them know, please. Uh, if you would be, we welcome you. It's awesome to be continuing growing in that knowledge of God. It's one of the ways we draw closer to God, and we're excited that maybe by saying this, a few more people might join in that uh, quest of understanding God better and getting to draw closer to Him. So that's what we have for you there. I'll invite the ushers forward as we continue in worship, and we're reminded from the book of Proverbs that generosity is refreshing. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I'm reminded of what that, talk, what that means when we talk about a scarcity mentality. Some of us think we have to hold to get more, to be okay, and God's calling us to open our hands and not to, to just clench to our material possessions or to our control and knowledge, but He's asking us to hold open hands and to give what, out of what we've been given 
as we decide with our own hearts and to trust him to provide for us day by day with what we need. As we think about that, I'm just going to let us know a kind of a prayer request this week. On Thursday night, our elders will be spending the evening in prayer, seeking God together, understanding what does it mean to be this, our church triumph in this community in 2020, and just asking God, what do you have for us? And so I would ask you to be lifting up our elders right now, all the way through Thursday, and that asking that they're their worries and fears would be able to be set aside and laid down, their burdens would be lifted, and that the Spirit of Lord would be clearly speaking to the hearts and minds of our elders on Thursday night. So make a note in your phone. You can get your phone out right now and make a little reminder to be praying for them or write it on your calendar as Thursday night comes. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in worship together. You know each of our hearts better than we know them ourselves. You know where we've been, what we've seen, what our emotions are right now. And we thank you, Lord, for being the God who sees. And so we ask that you would be near to us, Holy Spirit, that you would convict those who are proud in heart. You would comfort those in distress. You remind us again what it is to put on Christ and to put to death all that leads to destruction. And Lord, help us to live into that original design that you created in the garden, that you knit together in our mother's wombs, that's been tarnished by sin. Would you awaken in us again who you've created us to be and whose we are in your Son? And as we open our hearts in generosity this morning, Lord, would you refresh us, as the book of Proverbs says. We pray this according to your will, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I invite Beth up to read our scripture reading this morning. Good morning. I'm reading this morning um, from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. Again, that's Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 11, if you want to follow along with me. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud, for understanding as if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in blameless, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Thanks, Beth. I invite you to rise as you're able as we continue in worship. be known by our love in every word in every deed honor the sun let our light shine in every eye let us Oh, 
struck my heart. And you might think, oh man, we sang that song and it was really good. And, and, and you're not wrong, but you struck my heart when you talked about a lack of sleep. Um, <laughs> I don't, 
So when, when the clock hit 12.58 this morning, and I went, oh no, that's 1.58, I was like, I should probably go to bed. Um, so anyway, I'm glad all of you are here, though. You've, you've, you've made it with the, the le- one less hour of sleep, and, it, and it's good. It's good to be able to be with you today and, and continue in our series in the book of Colossians. Um, and, and I, and I want to tell you, I should rewind. In case we haven't met, my name is Chris Hartley. I'm the campus life pastor here at the East Campus. And so, um, yeah, I'm starting to actually see more familiar faces, and so that's good. And I can even see you guys in the back. Yeah, I can still see you, so that's good. Um, but anyway, I, I love this series that we've been going through in the book of, in the book of Colossians because it, it's been so good to, to hear the Word and, and to hear the sermons that just point to not only an eternal hope, but an everyday hope that we get to have as we trust in Jesus Christ. Now, speaking of recent sermons, uh, it was last week that I believe Pastor Christian talked about getting back to the basics or, or getting back and being and mastering the fundamentals as, as, as it were. And so this week, I want to carry that idea forward a little bit, going back to the basics. And here's how we're going to do that. When we talk about reading and we talk about literacy, um, the, the, the greatest tool that we have and, and what gets tested on our kids all the time, what they, what they need to be able to do is comprehend, right? Reading comprehension is so important. It is tantamount to understanding. In other words, uh, if, if without strong um, reading comprehension skills, we'll never know the why or the how or the who or the what of what we're trying to study, right? And so it's fair to say that those things that we need to know, well, we're not going to recognize them very well if we don't know the basics and we can't understand the fundamentals of the language. So take, take this for example, a verb, a verb, right? A verb is, uh, it's a word that describes an action. It's, it's what's being done. And in our text that we have this morning, the verbs are the thing that are driving the text. Now, I want to let you in on a little secret, and this is important. Um, Good good preachers and and pastors, and we're trained to do this, we're trained to look for the verbs. We're trained to do that. Did you know that? Um, And you can do the same thing. When you're reading the Bible, I'm going to encourage you. Next time you read the Bible, start looking for the verbs. Start looking for the action. Start looking for who's doing it, who's being called to do the thing, what are they being called to do, what are, what are the, the implications of those actions. And I promise you this, I promise you that if you just look for the verbs and you study those alone, you will be supremely blessed by what you learn and what you can take from the Bible. You'll, you'll, you'll start to receive uh, words from, from Scripture that, in maybe a way that you've never experienced before. So I'm going to encourage you, when you read the Bible, look for the verbs. And so with that in mind, we're going to do that very thing this morning. We're going to go this, through this text together, looking at some of the verbs. And so if you want to go to your bulletin, or if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read the first 17 verses. And uh, we won't name all of the verbs this morning, because there's a lot. But we're going to follow a trail, and that trail, I think, will lead us to a pretty important place. Um, So again, it's going to be Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, reading in Jesus' name. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thank, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us your life. Thank you for giving us grace and mercy through which we can come to the throne of God. Lord, I pray this morning that as we receive your word, that you would open it up to our hearts and our minds, that it wouldn't just be um, a pep talk or words that we hear, words that we say, but Lord, it would be truth. It would be truth that brings us peace and brings us joy because of who you are and what you've done for us. So Lord, we make this request in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's play the game, right? Let's, uh, let's play the game, follow the verb, okay? Uh, and we're going to start by, uh, we start with immediately looking at kind of an otherworldly view. It says, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on things that are above. As I considered those words this week, um, they brought to my mind, a, a, I think, a relatively well-known quote um, that, that maybe you've heard before, and it's from a guy whose name is Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr., and he said this. He said, some people are so heavenly-minded that they're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that before? You're so heavenly-minded that you're of no earthly good. Well, I just want to tell you something about that quote and about that thought. Um, honestly, I've never in my life met a person like that. Now, that's not in any way meant to be an insult to you or, or to anybody else that you know who, who is just on fire for Christ, but it's just an observation of, of my experiences. I've never met anybody like that. But I will, but I'm not alone in that because uh, author and, and pastor John Piper um, who's, who's been a Christian, I mean, 10 times longer than I have and studied way more, he expressed the exact same thing. And he said, I suspect that for every professing believer who is useless in this world because of otherworldliness, there are a hundred more who are useless because of this worldliness. If you're hearing that quote, and you're hearing our text this morning as uh, challenges, that's good. That is a challenge to the Christian, right? We are being asked by God to be more mindful of the creator than the created things, to seek the giver more than we seek the gifts, and to set our minds on the infinite rather than the finite. In the book Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis reminds us all of the power of this, and he says... If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. So just to be clear, this call, this verb of, of seek and set your minds on the things that are above, it doesn't mean that we mentally or emotionally check out of living a life here that matters. It simply means that as we quite intentionally focus our, our gaze and our interest on eternity, which is those things that God says matter the most, that will have dramatic effects on how we interact with each other, how we interact with the people around us. And, and it should be the goal of G, uh, our goal that people look at us when we, when we act like that and we, and we think that way and go, man, that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. Like it should be our goal that people would go, huh, that person, they, 
They're just different. I, I, can't, I can't quite figure it out, but they're just different. They seem to have joy that, that, that goes beyond their circumstances. And, and the things that really bother me, it, I don't know why. It doesn't seem like it bothers them as much. I wonder, I wonder why that is. And once those questions start getting asked about you and to you, that's when we have an opportunity for the joy set before us to tell people about our hope in Jesus Christ. Now, let's keep the game going. The next two sets of verbs uh, start in the negative sense, the, the sense of get rid of. Um, and, and he says, put to death, put them away, and put off, which all, of course, point to actively engaging in repentance. That is, turning away from the, from the life and the actions and the words and all those things that we once embraced while we didn't know our need for Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. However, those verbs are quickly followed up with a verb phrase that's repeated three times, and that's written in the positive sense. And it says, put on, uh, put on the new self. Put on the new self and put on compassionate hearts and put on kindness and humility and meekness and patience. And above all else, above all else, above everything else that you can put on, put on love. Put on love. Well, as we recognize and we look at these two sets of parallel verbs, um, this is where the real fight begins, right? Right? Uh, as I, as I was working through this text and I was thinking and checking emails and just kind of sitting in my office, just grinding to figure out how this worked, I got an email from one of our elders, John Liebeck, and, and, he, and he helped spur me on because he said, you know, this text is, it's really, it's looking at our two natures, right? Our two natures, these opposing things. With, we have this life in the flesh, right? And then we have this life in the spirit. We're looking at two different things here. And you know what? And, and that made me think about, that emailed me think about in the book of Romans, how Paul just beautifully sums up this Christian, this human experience when he says the following. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. There it is, right? This is where each one of us will find ourselves throughout our lives here on earth in a real battle and a very real struggle against the very sin that dwells inside of us. It's the old self it's the old self that says, me first. That's the fight. It's that little voice that, that justifies our selfish decisions. It's, it's our ability to know what's right and to know what's good and to know what we should do, but then still choose the wrong thing because, well, right now that, that gives me some happiness. That gives me what I want in this moment doesn't matter what, 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 how that affects other people. It gives me what I want, what makes me happy, right? We've got an entire culture, an entire world that says the best thing you can do for yourself is make sure that you feel fulfilled and happy. That's where we live right now. We live in that, right? Now, you know what's interesting about all of that? What's interesting about all of that is that if there, if there is no God, okay, just go with me uh, for a minute on this one. If there's no God, if it were, if it were true that we're all just randomly uh, come, we, we just come from a bang, and then a bunch of cells have been colliding against each other for billions of years, and then poof, here we are. Amazing, right? If that's true, that there's no God, then none of this, none of this selfishness, none of it would be a problem. It wouldn't matter. And you want to know why? Because each and every single one of us would have the right. No, 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 not just the right, but we would actually need, we would need to maintain that selfishness and look towards our own self-interest so that we could survive, right? 
It means that the only reason why we would ever do anything for another human being is if, is if it also benefited us. Because evolutionary theory asserts that only, only the dominant species will survive and thrive. You have to be dominant. And so helping anybody else or anything else that doesn't help you is complete foolishness. So if there's no God, if there's no God, and evolutionary theory were right, then you know what? People like Adolf Hitler would be justified in what they did. People who murder and take and steal and kill and destroy, they would all be justified in what they did because there's no moral or ethical reason not to be that way. That's in your DNA, right? You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to survive and thrive at any cost. Yet, we know that that is not true. That is not true because there is a creator and there is a God who calls us to a higher purpose, a much higher purpose, than simply making ourselves happier and making ourselves more comfortable at any cost possible. He calls us to love and honor him and then love our neighbor as ourselves. He's calling you and me to put on compassionate hearts that we might put others before ourselves. He's calling us to put on kindness, even when it costs us something. And he's calling us to put on patience, even when our feelings, right, because we care about our feelings a lot, even when our feelings are yelling, me first. And above all else, he's calling us to put on love. And this is the hardest one. This is the hardest one because real love is not, it is not a temporary feeling. It's an active choice that we make. That's what love is. It's, it's an active choice. It's choosing to put someone else first. It's choosing to give grace and mercy when it's completely undeserved. And sometimes, and you may be here in your life or in a relationship, sometimes love is choosing to maintain a relationship instead of being right. We are called to put on love in such a way that we actually put on Christ. And in Christ, we see the fullness, we see the absolute fullness of perfected love, which sacrifices everything. It sacrifices everything for the sake of someone else. Putting on Christ means that we die to, our, to ourselves in order that someone else might live. Putting on Christ means that I make no provisions for the flesh to gratify myself, but I nail that flesh to the cross every day along with its sinful nature because it's not about me, it's about glorifying God. Put on Christ. This is the verb, right? Put on. This is the call to the Christian. And finally, as we get to our last verb in just a second, um, we're going to get there. But before I do that, uh, I, I want to tell you something that flies, it just flies in the face of every self-help author and blogger and, and, and podcast guru out there who makes money by making you feel good about yourself, okay? Um, so I'll ask you, Brace yourselves. Are you ready to receive something that doesn't make you feel good about yourself? Right? Are you, are you able to receive something like that? Okay? Because the last verb, which all of the other verbs are dependent on, is really not about the actions that you or I can do. Okay? The last verb that we're looking at today is let. The last verb is let. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. You know who's really good at this verb? Not you! If you're an adult, it's not you. It's not me. We are not very good at this verb. Actually, the people who are good at this verb, it's the little ones. It's, it's infants. It's It's children. They receive so much better, and they, they receive so much easier, and they receive with so much more freedom than we do as adults, because we, 
we have gotten stubborn and we've gotten cynical. And oftentimes, um, we have an incredibly hard time letting because that doesn't feel like we're in control, right? Letting doesn't feel like control. Letting feels like the opposite of control. And as adults, as rational human beings, we tend to not like that very much. We, we just generally don't like it. And I'm right there with you. So it's no surprise that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these in reference to little ones because inheritance in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with the verbs that we do and everything to do with what we allow ourselves to receive from what Jesus has done. The new self that Paul talks about in this text has far less to do with us and far more to do with how we let or how we allow or receive Christ in us. In the process of letting, we recognize that there's this passive notion to it, right? But there's also this intrinsic and beautiful nature of, of trusting Trusting that allows the peace of God to dwell in us and allows that truth of God, his word, to flow freely into our hearts and into our minds, which then and only then gives us the ability to put on Christ just the way we talked about a few minutes ago. Now, if you don't believe me, if you think I'm wrong so far, I just want you to stop for a moment, and I want you to think about your life for a minute. Picture your life. You're living it right now. You got up early today. You did all the things. You got dressed. You probably brushed your teeth, so on and so forth, right? Think about your life. When are the times that you are just most stressed out, and when are the times that you feel most bogged down? When are those times? If you've got that in your head, you'll probably recognize that it's precisely those times when you're trying to do all of the things, when you're trying to maintain all of the control, when you're trying to do it all yourself, and you're, and you're doing it on your own effort, you're doing it on your own steam. It's only when we start letting go. And it's only when we start allowing or letting God to put his peace into our lives and, and living in that freedom that, that he gives us from trying to do all the things, from trying to get everything perfect, and from trying to do, just meet all the tasks and the goals and the accomplishments and, and, and all that kind of stuff that we work so hard for, right? We spend our entire lives doing that. But it's when we allow God to give us peace and rest from that, that we can actually start living healthy and balanced lives. It's amazing how letting go actually gives you more, Right? The good life in Christ is all about letting. Letting him set you free from the, from the burdens and the guilt and the shame of the sins and the mistakes that you've committed. Letting that stuff go. Letting him give you the peace of mind in the midst, in the midst of even being stressed out with your life because you trust that his plans for you are good. And letting the, the Lord take the lead. Can you imagine letting the Lord take the lead in your career? Letting the Lord take the lead in your relationships. Letting the Lord take the lead in your mind and your heart on a daily basis. Knowing that since he made you, he knows you better and he knows what you need better than you do. And finally, letting his word dwell richly in you. And here's what his word says. Let me paraphrase. God's word to you says, I love you. God's word to you says, I have done everything for you. God's word to you says, I have given you my helper, the Holy Spirit, that I might dwell inside of you and be powerful for you so that you can rest. And God's word says that I have loved you perfectly and I have made you completely sufficient before my Father. So rest. So God is calling each one of us to let him give us his peace. And it's only through that peace that we can have the full assurance of, of eternal life, which means that we will be able to set our minds 
on things that are above, and we will be more able to put to death the sins that, that once held us captive, and we will be more able to put on Christ, which covers us in perfect sacrificial love and sets us free from ourselves, allowing us to be a light in the world to those who desperately, desperately need to hear the gospel come out of your mouth. So one more time, we'll end our, we'll end our game, our study together. We'll end the, the verb session, right? Let the freedom and the love and the hope of Christ overflow in you and let his mercy and his grace wash over you so that you can rest well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you call us to dwell in you. You call us to trust in you. Lord, that's really hard sometimes. I, I confess it. Lord, I don't, I push against that I push against letting you in because I want to have control. So Lord, forgive me. Forgive us. And Father, as we, as we come before the table, as we come before the body and blood of Jesus Christ, would you let us rest in that? Would you open our hearts and our minds to the sins that we need to confess and then let us rest in your body. Let us rest in your blood. Father, I pray as each one comes here that you'd be preparing our hearts to receive you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you, um, if you haven't been with us before, uh, I'll say again, welcome. And, um, and, and I'll remind you, or I'll say to you for the first time, that this table, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, if you're believing and trusting in him, this is for you. It's for you because he is for you. He has opened wide his kingdom that you might come in and receive him. And so you get to do that today um, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ. And so we'll begin this part of our service in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hear the words. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's Jesus. And the word also says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And finally, the word also says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins and purify us from, un from unrighteousness. At this time, I don't know what it took for you to get here. I don't know if you had to speed and avoid the cops and all those things. But rest. We're going to take a moment. God's word calls us to examine ourselves. So we're going to take a moment to do that. If you have business to do with the Lord, let's do that now. Lord in heaven, we come before you unworthy of your table. Yet because of what you've done for us, you call us sons and daughters. You've given us access to your son. So Lord, I just pray that each one of us would receive this with glad hearts, knowing that you've made us sufficient, you have made us holy, you have made us set apart by that simple act of faith in your son Jesus Christ. So Lord, let us receive that now these things in his name. Would you please rise and together we'll confess uh, the Christian faith as expressed in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.